0: Programming notes episodes, the general concept is that you can get an extended summary of episodes if you decide that you'd rather have that than listen to the episodes themselves, as well as some notes about what's going on in the community or how you can be helpful and useful in the community. Programming notes for the week of January 8th, 2023. Hope the year is off to a great start for all of you. I'm skipping the general call to action, but we'll just say get involved in the community. I'm going to be doing a big, big push, and we will get people out there with a lot of momentum. So if you want to kind of make a name for yourself or talk about what your company is doing and what you've achieved. Uh, there's going to be a big push from me, especially once I can hand things over and kind of be just a member of the community again. So what's on tap for this week? On Monday, we have episode 178, which is a data modeling in data mesh panel. This was hosted in conjunction with the data mesh learning community. You might have seen the uh, the YouTube already, but this was with uh, Juha Corpella, Kent Graziano, and Veronica Durgan. And uh, you know this is the first of the panels that that we've done I think there's going to be more that are happening in uh, 2023 um, there was another one that happened in December um, that's going to be coming out relatively soon as well around uh, data user experience but anyway so you know the big incremental from this if you already watched it on the YouTube is that I also do my bottom line up front summary. I had asked three people who really know data modeling to give us insight into what will probably be necessary on the data modeling side in data mesh. I think I keep seeing all these posts about data modeling is so important. Data modeling is so important. Let's just use this one approach. And I think we can use that as a starting off point, but I think we have to not completely reinvent, but we have to evolve uh, how we're doing data modeling as well. On Tuesday, it's episode 179, which is Reliability Engineering for Data and Data Mesh, which is Mesh Musings number 40. I go a bit off in this one on the way people are, in my view, misusing the term data reliability engineering, because there is so much more from reliability engineering that we should be taking than just kind of data quality and or keep the data pipelines running it's more of an opening into this conversation an opening salvo rather than me solving all the world's challenges but i think this is so important uh, emily gorsinski's episode number 72 uh, talked about you know SLAs and SLOs and reliability engineering in general and i think we really really have a lot to learn and as we decentralize you know how how do we help teams kind of evaluate, well, from an organizational standpoint, how do we think about what's the most important to fix and when, and how do we help teams to resolve data incidents, right? On Friday, it's episode 180. uh, Shared understanding leads to data value that's outstanding, which is with Chris Dove at Endava. We talked about a lot of different things in this one, but a big in- incremental point for me that Chris made was that domains rarely experience their data in the same way as those outside the domain because it's embedded in their applications. So they're experiencing that data in a completely different way. So that's why it's kind of difficult in a lot of cases for them to understand how people don't get their data. And so Uh, we kind of have to get them out of that cycle. Does that mean they have to consume their data only from their own data products? I don't know. That's a a pattern that some people are using. But I think it's, it's interesting to understand why they have so much of a challenge there. In general, we talked about the trapped metadata problems, making the implicit, explicit, and how awful just in general data Documentation is. It covered a lot from someone who's been working with clients directly for a long time. So I think it was very much about, you know, I just keep seeing these same problems. Why haven't we fixed these over the years? So I, I think some of it will be cathartic for people who've been in the data space for a while, but I think it'll also be incremental for a lot of folks. So with that, on to the extended summaries for the panel and the interview with Chris. Extended summary for episode 178. This was a panel on data modeling in data mesh. This was facilitated by Juha Corpella and featured Kent Graziano and Veronica Durgan. So this was hosted in conjunction with the data mesh learning community. Um, As I said, Juha, he's the chief product officer at LE Technologies. He was facilitating. We had Veronica Durgan, who's the head of data at SACS, and Kent Graziano, also known as the Data Warrior, former chief technical evangelist at Snowflake. So this kind of extended summary is not really of exactly what people were saying, but my point of view from what I took away from the panel. You know, this data modeling is a really new area for me. Haven't really dug into it much. So do take it with a grain of salt. But I thought it would be interesting to kind of write up a little bit about what I learned from this since I was not uh, participating in the panel myself. So data modeling in data mesh will probably be far more similar than dissimilar to data modeling in a more centralized world, the way a lot of people have been working. The focus on the business concepts is, is going to be crucial. Far too often, we try to start from the technical instead of what are we trying to achieve, and it's crucial to not fall into that trap in data mesh. Getting the technical aspects for interoperability wrong can be painful, but if things work together technically but not actually at the business level, that's a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing, or essentially, that's a lot of cost for work and compute That doesn't lead to actual business value, right? You can kind of get things to technically work together from interoperability standpoint. But if you try to layer on the business concepts later, it's not going to go that well. One thing I'll note is every one of the guests is a Data Vault proponent. I'm not sold that Data Vault is the right way in the long run for Data Mesh. I feel like we need to evolve data modeling concepts for a more distributed, federated, organizational approach, right? But from what they said, Data Vault does sound like a very solid base to start that iteration from. Start from the business concepts first and focus on what you are actually trying to accomplish instead of the overly technical aspects. Data modeling for the sake of data modeling is not something anyone should want to do. As with just about everything else in data mesh, data modeling should be about limiting your blast radius of potential negative impacts. As you kind of get going, you get that fast initial and incremental feedback, right? You don't want to say, "Okay, I'm debuting this thing and everything should should immediately start to use it as a source. Get to that iteration. Uh, take on things that matter, but don't make it a big bang. Right? Fail fast and all that. This is not about taking requirements and going off to your own worlds at the you know kind of domain level instead of at the centralized level. It's even more crucial to have overall communications slash cohesion as we enable more and more people and domains to own their data. The most important aspect for developing lasting interoperability via data modeling is, again, the business concepts. It's not that hard to do the technical interoperability once you figure out how things should work together. Starting from the technical feels easier, but it is a recipe for losing the value of the bigger picture. Typically, technical-based implementations are less extensible because the technology decisions are embedded into the solution instead of used as kind of the enabling factor. Veronica said something like focus on the words and meanings, not the data types. She also said that starting with technical integration focuses far too much on what can be done with what's already created. What are the existing implementations instead of what we need to drive value and how can we improve the existing implementations to create more value, right? It's what can we do with what's already existing is the technical first, and if we focus on the business first, it's like, what again, what are we trying to do? As with most things in data and software engineering, it's okay to build your data model in an opinionated way, but maintaining flexibility, especially as you are doing your initial development, is crucial. Major change can be quite costly especially if you have to change the entire foundation of what you are doing. Kent really railed against the need for rework. Build your data model and subsequent data products, so providing another view or angle about kind of what that data product is about isn't nearly as difficult and requires only the work to do that incremental view, rather than changing everything else you've done to accomplish that new data view. In data mesh, a way that this could look in on the good side is this would be a different API or, or you know, a, a different kind of uh, output port to share the da- data from a different user perspective. Right? Again, look to prevent, rework, and ensure flexibility rather than having to create an entirely new data product or rework the existing data product just to create that new API. A massive concern in general with data mesh is data silos the worry that if you have a bunch of domains doing their work separated and not in communication with each other nothing will interoperate so you probably do need some kind of centralized group whether that is a, you know somebody's main role or part of their you know on the governance team or part of somebody's other responsibilities helping domains do their work in the context of the greater organization like how does this connect to that how could this connect really thinking through that where the domains don't have to fully realize the art of the possible themselves. Note that this is what loose coupling for microservices means. Like fully decentralized would have no connections, right? Versus things work together but can scale independently. Having people who are there to help is the key to federated instead of fend for yourself. So data architects are probably going to be a crucial aspect of data modeling in data mesh. While there is no centralized data model in data mesh, they aren't flexible and mean you can lose a ton of context from trying to force things to comply with that model. There obviously can be centralized guidance and direction, a standard set of data models, etc. Think about a well-functioning federated governance right? So maybe not the US. (laughs) There are people doing work in the centralized function, the, the federal government, but it's about enabling those at the local level to do the things the right way. Juha had quoted someone with something like, governance is not about leading people to do things right. It's about setting them up to do things the right way. That centralized team can't know what's right for every specific situation, right? Because they lack the localized context. But they can specialize in enabling people to do things the right way. Kent claimed there is an enterprise data model. And for me, that can quickly go the wrong direction. But if you interpret what he was talking about well, you know, that there are clear relationships across the business that are crucial to model well in your data, that are fundamental business truths you should reflect in your data. If you know, if you interpret him well, it can mean that much less learning of deep domain-specific context, because you understand how domains fit together in the organization, how everything works together, instead of having to treat every domain as if it's wholly, wholly separate and it's got really hard boundaries, instead of they're puzzle pieces that fit together. A number of people believe data modeling must be all about one view or perspective to rule them all. That is where data mesh fundamentally pushes back. You can have one view you agree on as an organization, such as like revenue, but people within the organization should still be able to publish something that is, you know, similar in meaning, but from another view. So, you know, you might have ARR, you know, annual recurring revenue versus actually realized revenue versus all these different other things. But that when you say, okay. As a company, we're going to say, this is exactly what this specific term means. You can do that, but you don't want to block people off from sharing things that have kind of a similar meaning. Much like in domain-driven design, you know, listen to Vlad Kononov's episode for more on this. It's episode 171. There should be kind of a language, you know, broad definition, think interface and, and terminology. There should be a broad language of the domain to maximize the context of information shared within the domain, right? There's that one separate domain or that separate language, language A, and then a separate language, language B, used to communicate about the domain to the rest of the organization. That way, we can still maximize context for business value locally, but communicate more globally in the organization in order to also maximize global data interoperability. Which, you know, otherwise you've got data silos. (laughs) So that global data interoperability is a crucial organization-wide business value driver. Kat mentioned another worry of data mesh that is often closely aligned with the data silo worry, master data management-related nightmares. While we absolutely have to reinvent MDM for data mesh, look for a few panels on, on that in the near future, It's pretty clear it's bad to potentially have 10 different definitions, you know, of a specific thing that might filter to someone who doesn't understand the nuance and difference between those, especially if that, you know, is an exec that asks a simple seeming business question and gets five different answers, right? Data trust is gone. So we have to be clear in tackling that problem and strongly communicate, maybe not mastering data. But mastering ways of answering typical questions, I think we need to have more frank conversations on that. Overall, I think you will learn a lot, just like I did from listening to this episode. I think, you know, this is just my takeaways. I think you'll, uh, if any of this sounded interesting, I would recommend going ahead and listening to the people who actually know more about <laughs> this topic. extended summary for episode 180, Sharing Understanding Leads to Data Value That's Outstanding, an interview with Chris Dove. So, In this episode, I interviewed Chris, sometimes in online also called Charles. He's a data architect at Andava. To be clear, though, he was only representing his own views. Chris started with his views that while tooling is getting better in general, most t- tools are still very lacking in how their metadata plays into the greater organizational view of data, which means we can't do some pretty basic things. Or at least there aren't comprehensive tools that make easy sharing of context like easy across teams because of many metadata incompatibilities and challenges. So we need to get to a way to show the semantic context-related metadata, as well as the transformation metadata, in one place. That is also in a format that is understandable by the business users. A hard order to be sure, but fundamental to enabling the vision of companies being actually data-driven, that we can make this easy for the business users. There's a very common problem in organizations that comes from an implicit taxonomy and homonym problem, according to Chris a classic example is the definition of customer but it goes far deeper than that some bit of data often has a very specific meaning you know some term in a source system or you know with the domain but then a different business unit looks at it with their own interpretation of what it means and misses the nuance the differences so do you have uh, an enterprise taxonomy Or do you try to document the exact meaning differences? Or do you not let people have access to data in case they misunderstand? Not as easy of a choice as many would like to prevent these misinterpretations or misaligned data mixing. I don't think we actually have a great way of doing that just yet. An interesting and very crucial nuance Chris mentioned about data sharing. The business people in a domain are often consuming their own data through a different lens. Their data is embedded into an application for them to use. So their interface makes much of that, that nuance, it makes it the meaning is actually explicit instead of there's nuance. But that meaning isn't included in the data by default. The column title isn't, in the data doesn't have that meaning in it. So those business people, you know, the data producers often struggle to understand why people are confused or don't understand the nuance. Because, again, they look at it and it's already part of the application. So it's important to make sure the data producing domain understands the interface others use to consume their data. One note from myself, this is a benefit I haven't considered of having domains consume from their own data products. If nuances about the data aren't explicit, if the documentation isn't good enough, will they get confused about their own data? Will that force them to do better in building their data products? I think it's an interesting thing to kind of test out. Chris hit on a common problem many are having in data mesh, and data in general. What depth of documentation and explanation is necessary for data to be useful and not misused? People automatically assume some level of knowledge of the domain simply because others are in the organization. You work here, so you understand my domain type of attitude. So we need to make sure people can at least understand what they don't know and give them a way to get up to speed on what they need to know about a domain. Self-service can be a recipe for disaster if people can't understand when they are missing the necessary understanding and meaning. While domain-specific acronyms can have a lot of embedded information in them for people with knowledge of that domain, they're often a major hindrance to those trying to learn about the domain, in Chris's experience. Instead of focusing on exactly what your team calls everything, Focus on the concepts and why they matter. As Shakespeare said, what's in a name? So don't be so enamored with sharing context via domain-specific language. Referring back to Vlad Kononov's domain-driven design episode, the internal domain language is the ubiquitous language, but the published language is what is used to share with the rest of the organization. Focus on that published language. How can things be understood easily by those outside the domain? For Chris, the point and meaning of data literacy isn't what most think. It's about getting people to understand what data they have and the general meaning and context so it can be communicated with the rest of the organization. It's understanding how data can be used and shared, not the exact technical aspects of everybody learning SQL. It's about getting to a capability to share context and understand others' context around data without getting overly technical. When there is a use case that emerges, not every single person in the company needs to be able to create and maintain a data product. Basically, the concepts matter far more than everyone learning SQL or anything like that. I think that's a really interesting view about data literacy. I I haven't heard that before, and I don't know if I agree. I have to let that sink in a bit more. In Chris's view, tribal knowledge is a very dangerous place to be. We kind of all get that. you know. But you have this amazing and extremely valuable knowledge, but it's trapped in people's heads. What happens if they leave? We all know that tribal knowledge, but it's especially important in data because, again, The context and nuance, not just the column name, matters, right? So extract that valuable tribal information. Get it into a consumable format for the entire organization. It frees up the time of your most knowledgeable people, too. They aren't now answering questions all the time. Extract once, but leveraged by many, right? Good documentation, good knowledge sharing isn't about anticipating every challenge and writing out the fix, or entirely preventing it according to to Chris that's just not feasible it's okay to get things into a knowledge base rather than the perfect metadata set up the perfect metadata tool at first you want to improve but if you are waiting for the perfect solution you won't ever move forward with your data documentation so get something out put it in front of others ask for feedback and improve and as stated documentation documentation doesn't have to answer all the questions. It's something to make sure people generally understand a certain, you know, grouping of data whether that's a data product, a data set, whatever, and if they have a deeper question, they have a clear question escalation path for who to ask. It's easy to get lost in data by focusing on kind of data as the point in Chris's experience. Data is merely a vehicle for exchanging information. But there are lots of interesting technical challenges in dealing with data. So data people often lose the plot. They stop. They think of the data as the point, of the processing as the point. Without the context around the data, it's useless too, right? So we have to focus on delivering data as one packaged unit. And one note that I have on this is that this is what Jamat keeps referring to as a data product container or a unit of data that it isn't merely ones and zeros, but the context, the user experience, the lineage, etc., wrapped in one package so it is usable as is instead of going and trying to say, OK, I want to access this data. Let me go to these 15 different places to try and find it. For Chris, the biggest issue right now in data, especially for something like Datamash, is the trapped metadata problem. It's something I have mentioned repeatedly. Most tools that touch your data in some way at best generate metadata that is trapped in that tool or it's extremely difficult to extract and integrate that metadata into other tools. And when people write custom code to do the transformations, they often don't generate the metadata at all. So trying to get the full necessary picture of what's happening around data is extremely time-consuming and difficult. You have to go to all these different things and create custom... Uh, integrations, and all that stuff. Chris called out the need for specification around metadata so we can at least bring the metadata all into one place. Only a few vendors have moved to making it even possible to even extract most of the metadata they create. He noted Atland and Data.World specifically. But hopefully more vendors are pushed, or potentially dragged, into doing the same. Open metadata or other projects may provide a good way to start developing some standards for how things are described, shared, and or stored. But again, trapped metadata is a lock-in pain that vendors are seemingly unwilling to let go of unless their hands are forced. So my call to action is start trying to force their hands. To really move forward with how we all approach data as an industry and at the organization level, We need to change the way people think and feel about data, according to Chris. But change forced upon people only kind of might change their way of working and usually doesn't. So we have to focus on changing hearts and minds or the behavioral changes won't actually net the necessary changes. The necessary care changes to the way of working and understanding we need in data. Essentially, we can push people to do uh, these changes, but if we don't kind of get them bought in that these changes matter and that we're, we're not working with them to show them like what we're actually trying to do, they might do them, you know, perfunctorily, and they'll just do the bare minimum and it won't actually net what we're actually trying to get out of it. You know, a lot of this is easier said, you know, to change hearts and minds than done, but actually changing how we work requires empathy, not mandates. Krish finished on two points. The first is to really change the way an organization does data. They have to understand how data fits into the overall strategy and how treating it as a product impacts the work. Something may be valuable now, but that value might fade. It's okay and even very healthy to end of life any data work that is no longer valuable. And the second point is that reuse is really key to generating strong business benefit from data. The cost of getting data to a point you can actually leverage it is typically pretty high. Look to make it reusable and find valuable ways of reuse as much as possible. This is part of kind of the data mesh ethos, but I think it's it's applicable whether you're doing data mesh or not. Hmm.